Today we meet in Psalm chapter 1, and Psalm chapter 1 has six verses. We are talking about two men, two ways, and two destinies. This is the psalm which opens the Genesis section of this collection of songs of praises. It begins with men instead of the material universe. This psalm talks about the blessed man or the happy man. The blessed man is contrasted to the ungodly man. It is also a picture of Christ Jesus, the last Adam, in the midst of ungodly sinners and the scornful. Now, we sometimes think of the Lord as a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, as the scriptures say. And for some strange reason, many of the pictures that have been painted of Jesus Christ reveal him as a very sad-looking individual. It is true that Isaiah says that he is a man of sorrows, but why don't you read on? In Isaiah, you will find that Christ did not have any sorrows and griefs of his own. Isaiah 53 verse 4 says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. You see, it was not his own sorrows, it was our griefs that he was carrying. So Jesus Christ was the happy Christ. This is the picture of him. And also that picture is portrayed in Psalm chapter 1. First of all, let us look at the blessed man and his practice, or the practice of the blessed man. Psalm 1 verse 1, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the paths of sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scornful. Friend, this verse states the practice of the blessed man. A little bit further in this psalm, we will see the power of the blessed man and finally the permanence of the blessed man. So in this first verse, we see the negative side of the practice of the blessed man. Blessed is the man who walks not or who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. He does not stand in the paths of sinners. He does not sit in the seat of the scornful. We are told what the happy man does not do. Here we see three postures or positions. Blessed is the man or happy is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scornful. You see, the person who does these things is not a happy person. He goes through three stages. First, he associates with the ungodly. Then he gets in with the sinners. And finally, he joins in with the scornful. You see, there is a definite progression, yet it's also a deterioration and a degeneration here. The blessed man does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Counsel here means advice. He does not listen to the ungodly. Have you ever noticed that even the Lord Jesus Christ never referred to his own reason or his own mind as the basis for a decision? Whatever he did was based on the will of God. 
He never said to his disciples, Fellows, we are going into Galilee again. I have been thinking this over and over, and I am smarter than you fellows, and I think this is the best thing for us to do as far as my point of view is concerned. That's not the way he approached his disciples. He always said, I'm going to Jerusalem because it is the will of my father. And he spent his time with his father, and he knew what the father's will was, and he moved into certain areas on that basis. He does not get advice from the ungodly. Friend, it is one thing to listen to counsel, and good counsel is fine, but certainly not to the counsel of the ungodly. We are to walk by faith. Listening to the counsel of the ungodly is not walking by faith. Who are the ungodly? The ungodly are the people who just leave God out of their lives. There is no fear of God before their eyes. They live as though God does not exist. Around us today are multitudes of people like that. They get up in the morning, never turn to God in prayer, never thank Him for the food they eat or for the life or health. They just keep moving right along, leaving it up. They are ungodly. They just leave God out. But how many of us just stream to them to ask for counsel, business counsel, educational counsel, and even on how to live life, people go there. The ungodly counsel is not what the man who is blessed seeks. You see, the ungodly counsels the man, and now we find him standing in the way of sinner. Sin means to miss the mark, by the way. They don't quite live as they should. They are the ones the scriptures speak of when it says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death, as Proverbs 14 verse 12 says. Again, the scriptures say, all the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes. Proverbs 16 verse 2. The sinner may think he is all right, but he is a sinner. God's word says, let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Isaiah 55 verse 7. Also it says, we all like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Isaiah 53 verse 6. My friend, the Father laid on the Lord Jesus Christ all the weight of our guilt. We are sinners, and that is the picture that is given here. The next step down from standing in the way of sinners is sitting in the seat of the scornful. We are told that the third stage is that he sits in the seat of the scornful. The scornful is the person who does not believe in God, what you would call an atheist. He does not only deny God, but he exhibits an antagonism and a hatred of God. This we see on every turn of the road today. The scornful, they are the ones who are absolutely opposed to God. They don't want to read the Bible. They don't want even Bible to be read in public schools or in public meetings. They don't want it read anywhere. For that matter, they deny the very word of God. May I say to you, my friend, that there is nothing lower than to deny God. 
The word of God says, but a fool has said in his heart, there is no God. It's going low, low beyond humanity to deny God because the knowledge of God is what actually makes us to be human beings. The drunkard in the gutter today is not nearly as low as the man who is denying God. And if you want to know God's attitude, here it is. Surely he scorns the scornful, but he gives grace to the humble. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 34. God is opposed to the scornful, and he will scorn them. That's a very frightful picture, by the way. And that picture is what is presented here. Now, this is the negative side. This is what the happy man does not do. In the next verse, we see what the happy man does do. Psalm 1 verse 2. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. You remember that our Lord Jesus told about a man possessed with a demon. And when the demon went out of him, the man cleaned up his life. He was swept and garnished. He had a new paint job, so to say. He was all cleaned up and he thought all was all right. But that demon still owned him. The demon wandered around, got tired of traveling and returned. When he came back, he brought some friends with him, seven other spirits more wicked than himself. We are told that the last state of the man was worse than the first. Now, many people think that if they clean up their lives a little, that is all that is necessary. But notice... But this man, his delight is in the law of the Lord. The delight of God's man is in the law of the Lord. In other words, a godly person finds joy in the word of God. I wish I could get the message over and over to people that the Bible is a thrilling book. It is not a burden. It is not boring. It is a real delight to read and study God's word. Here the word says, blessed is the man, happy is the man whose delight is in the law of the Lord. Oh, today the tragedy that has come to men is that the tear, the sigh, the groaning, the headaches, the heartaches, the heartbreak, the broken homes, the ruined and wrecked lives are the result of God's broken laws. But a blessed man delights in the law of the Lord. The word of God makes it very clear. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. First John chapter 5 verse 3. You see, God's commandments for believers today are not only the Ten Commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. Jesus Christ said, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, the idea that being saved by grace means that you can be lawless and live as you please is not the picture that is given to us in the word of God. We are not to be lawless. Galatians 5 verse 13, for you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, save one another. 
You see, liberty is not a license by any means. Of course, we don't keep the Ten Commandments to be saved, but that doesn't mean we are to break the Ten Commandments. It means that you cannot measure up to God's law. God's law demands perfection, and you and I do not have perfection. We have to come to God by faith. After we are saved by faith, we are to live on a higher plane than the law. We are to have in our lives the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, and self-control. You see, we have the discipline and the guidance of grace, even to keep the laws of God. What does the blessed man does? Not only does he delight in the law of the Lord, but he also meditates upon that law day and night. And in his law, he meditates day and night. Meditate is a very figurative word here. It pictures a cow chewing her cud. It is said that the cow has several compartments in her tummy. She can go out in the morning, graze on the grass when the dew is on it in the cool of the day. Then when it gets hot in the middle of the day, she lies down under a tree and begins to chew the cud. She moves the grass she had in the morning back up and now she crunches it. She goes over it again and again. That is what we do when we meditate. We go over what we have read and think through them. Remember that James spoke of the man who beholds his natural face in a mirror, then goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. We read that in James 1 verse 24. Now, we are to meditate on the word of God, which is God's mirror that shows us what we really are. We are to allow the word of God to shape our lives. And the happy man delights in the law of the Lord and meditates on it day and night. And in his law, he meditates day and night. My friend, God has no plan or program by which you are to grow and develop as a believer apart from his word. You can become a very busy man, busy as a termite in your church, and possibly with the same effect as a termite, but you won't grow by means of activity. You will grow by meditating upon the word of God. That is, by going it over and over again in your thinking until it becomes a part of your life. This is the practice of the happy man. So we have seen the practice of the happy man. We need also to look at the power of the blessed man. Where does he get his power? Psalm 1 verse 3. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Here the happy man shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. The word rivers is the superlative in the Hebrew. It is a hyperbole for abundance here. The blessed man is planted, is given plenty of water and becomes a tree. You see, God's trees are planted trees. 
they are not wild growing trees by any means. Now, I think this picture refers to being born again. It's a planted tree, not wild tree. Isaiah 61, 3 says, To console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise, for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. You see, God does not use wild-grown trees. His trees are born again, taken up and set out in God's garden, set out by the rivers of water. What an insight. What does rivers of water mean here? That is the word of God. Somebody asks, are you sure about that? Oh, I know it, because Isaiah 55, verse 10 to verse 11 tells me, For as the rain comes down, and the snow from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth, and make it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I send it. You see, God wants his word to come down like rain. And by the way, the radio is a fine way to do this. It scatters God's word everywhere, even into someone's private room. We are to get the word of God out. This is why I like this program, because the word of God is being showered in the hearts of men, and it causes its effect. It will produce something. It will cause trees to grow. It will cause God's children to become born again, and they will be planted by the rivers of water. It provides drink and substance. It is also cleansing. And you can see this washing of water with the word expressed by the psalmist in Psalm 104, verse 16, which says, The trees of the Lord are full of sap, the cedars of Lebanon, which he planted. Now the psalmist does not say that God's trees are saps. He says they are full of sap. That sap is the word of God. The trees of Lebanon, which he has planted, are full of the word of God. Each tree brings forth his fruit in his season. Now, it is interesting to note that God's tree don't bring forth fruit all the time. They bring forth fruit in their season, and the power is in the word of God. The primary business of a Christian is not so winning, but getting the word of God out. It brings forth fruit in its season. There is a time to get fruit. There is a season for fruit bearing. That is the reason there ought to be a long time of preparation, of sowing seed, of helping it to, to fruitify. Just to hand out a tract here and there may have its value. But my friend, we are in the business of giving out the word of God, and it needs to be tended. It takes time and care because the fruit only comes forth at the right season, at the right time. The preacher says there is a time for everything, a time to plant and a time to harvest.
He also says his leaf does not wither. Now the leaf is the outward testimony of the Christian. That is something that should be out all the time. God's trees are evergreens, if you like. They never lose their testimony. You are always an evergreen, are you, my friend? Your leaf is the outward testimony that you have in this world for Christ. All God's children are evergreens and they should continue to testify. In addition to this, he says, and whatever he does shall prosper. Now, back in the Old Testament, God promised material blessings to his own chosen people. Those blessings are not promised to the believer today for sure. If you have them, you can thank him for more than he has promised, you see. The important thing is to have Christ because in Christ we have actually have a greater blessings. That is our number one. All material blessings are actually zeros. We must find Christ. If you don't have one before your zeros, you have only a zeros. If you like, you have only a goose egg. But if you put that one, who is Christ, before your material blessings, then you are blessed indeed. But remember that he has not promised material blessings in this urge. He has promised the ultimate blessing in having Christ Jesus. So that's the power of the blessed man because he's plugged in to the word of God and is producing fruit and the testimony is being seen continually. Now, there is the permanence of the blessed man. Notice the insecurity of the ungodly. Psalm 1 verse 4 and verse 5. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. To begin with, you see, we talked of two men, two ways, two destinies, you see. One is a dead-end street. It leads to death. The other is one that leads to life. God says what is right and what is wrong. We are living in a day when people are not sure what is right or what is wrong. Well, God is sure. His word does not change with every philosophy or a new generation. His word tells us what is right and what is wrong. And therefore, the word of God is the guide. Proverbs 10 verse 28 tells us, The hope of the righteous will be gladness, but the expectation of the wicked will perish. We are admonished in Matthew chapter 7 verse 13 to verse 14, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. You see, the wide broad way is like a funnel in that you enter at the big end, and as you continue, it becomes narrower and narrower, and finally it leads to death. You enter the narrower way by Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life. 
As you continue, the way becomes broader and broader, and this way leads to life. In John 10 verse 10, Christ says, I have come that they may have life, and that they may have it more abundantly. What a glorious picture of the happy and blessed man that is presented in this first psalm, Christ himself. But we too can become the blessed and happy people if we take the counsel of this first psalm. You can have copies of the notes and outlines used for these Living Word for Africa programs so you can follow them as you listen. For your copies, please send a WhatsApp message or SMS to plus two seven seven two six four one four four seven five. Please say which book of the Bible you want them for and be sure to include your name and contact information. I'll repeat that number for you. It's country code 27 followed by 7264144475. From within South Africa, it's 072-641-4475.